Good afternoon. You're listening to Austin Monitor Radio on KOOP Hornsby Austin 91.7 FM. Radio for people, not for profit. We are streaming online at koop.org. I'm your host and reporter for the Austin Monitor, Jesse Devenens. And with us today, we have our editor, Liz Pagano. Hi. And just as a reminder for all you listeners, more information about the stories we discussed today can be found at austinmonitor.com. Despite what you may have gathered from City Hall, most people in Austin rent. And today we're going to take a look at the challenges that renters face and learn about their unique needs and considerations for this particular population. To help us do that, we have Daniel Amendaris, a senior housing advocate with Austin Tenants Council here with us today. So thank you so much for coming onto the show today, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I guess let's just jump into the meat and potatoes of today and Give us a quick overview of the Austin Tenants Council, what it is, and your organization's role within the city of Austin. Sure. So um, we're a 501c3 uh, advocacy organization. We have been around since um, about the late 70s in one form or another. Um, organization gives guidance, uh, non-legal guidance, to primarily to tenants, um, with respect to their rights uh, and responsibilities under the law. Mm -hmm. We address um, both their rights and responsibilities under the Texas Property Code and also under the Federal Fair Housing Act. So do you only deal with tenants or do you deal with landlords in any respect? We do deal with landlords. We have to to serve uh, anyone who comes through our doors who qualifies. Um, Sometimes that is landlords and... uh, and you know we're happy to give them the guidance that they need uh, to to accomplish what they need to accomplish and and treat the tenant fairly. So, is it safe to say, in a nutshell, the Austin Tenants Council advocates for good living conditions for everybody at fair prices? Well, that's right. Um, basically, our our mission uh, is you know safe, decent housing for all. So um, that's what we're striving for and uh and really as a practical matter what we're trying to do is is help tenants understand um and really uh be able to apply mm-hmm. uh their rights in a practical matter um so that they they can resolve issues in their lives uh with respect to their housing and housing as we all know is a hot topic uh, right now uh, for homeowners and renters. And I was wondering if your guys' mission at the Austin Tenants Council, how that's been playing out in this current real estate market, and if that's different from how it was five, ten years ago. Yeah, so I've been with Austin Tenants Council for about six years. Um, I can't say that I, I over the past six years I've seen a discernible difference in uh, – in sort of how the the growth of Austin has affected um, the 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 clients that come through and the types of issues that they're having, I can say that um, it's clear to me uh, after six years of uh, assisting clients in this way that the the growth of the city and the and the myriad of complex issues that um, that are contributing to that. Um, do have a direct and immediate uh, real real life impact on the daily lives 
of the tenants in the city. And as, as you mentioned, um, over 50% of uh, Austin residents are renters uh, in the greater Austin area. So um, given, the, uh, given that fact, you would hope that um, you would hope that that perhaps there would be a, a greater emphasis, at least on a policy level, for um, for greater protections for tenants, um, either on a municipal level or on a state level, uh, simply because you know that's the the greater portion of the residents you know in this area. So. Have we seen any changes at all coming out of policy to help these renters? So I've, um, over my time, I've seen several legislative sessions come and go. Um, there have been some some real uh, good examples of attempts by the, by the city uh, council to increase uh, protections for tenants. Um, sometimes, however, uh, when that occurs, the uh, the good folks in the legislature see see fit to um, to to address that in a manner that's maybe not beneficial to the tenants from from my perspective. So so the short of it is, um, whatever the city council does uh, can and is frequently uh, addressed on a state level, um, perhaps to the contrary. So one of those initiatives that I, I remember is the Fair Housing Act rule that was in, from 2014 when Austin, they passed a law to prevent the discrimination against renters based on income source. Sure. Um, which just simply means that landlords can't reject renters that were paying with government assistance, for example. But since that's passed, the law has been tied up in court. And last month, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals effectively affirmed a state law that basically cancels out Austin's law that's intended to assist these those who are paying with government assistance. Um, Austin has uh, vowed to fight this, but how does this ruling by the state affect tenants here in Austin? Well, the immediate uh, impact is uh, is simply that, you know, if you have for example, um, a housing choice voucher, section, otherwise known as a Section 8 voucher, as a tenant, and you're um, driving yourself around town looking for housing, and you walk into an apartment complex under uh, the current state of affairs, um, they can reject you uh, explicitly on the basis that they don't, um, on, the, on the basis of your source of income, mm-hmm. that, that voucher. So uh, now there is, a, there is an exception carved out in in the in the uh, in the law for uh, veterans, okay. So you know that's a good thing, um, but uh, it yeah. So, is there any other recourse at this moment? Not to, not to my knowledge. I mean, it has to play out in the courts and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, along similar lines, in Oakland in California, uh, they were they became the first city to ban criminal background checks for renters. Um, do you often see discrimination on this front here in Austin? So um, th- that isn't a protected class. Okay. Um, okay. So discrimination wouldn't wouldn't be um, sort of the right word, but in terms of just uh, bias, if you will, um, sure. Uh, we frequently see clients who um, who come to us and say they have. Um, in fact, I had a client recently who uh, came and said. 
that um, that they had an event in uh, their background. It was over 20 years ago. It was nonviolent, um, and uh, and they were they were being actively rejected on that basis by apartment complexes. Um, so what I tell folks um, who come in who have problems with their uh, um, or th- have those obstacles in their background. Um, one very, very important thing they need to know is if they are applying to a property that receives a federal tax credit, um, and specifically if the unit that they're going to receive receives a tax credit, um, there is a different standard uh, that that property, a higher standard that that property has to apply to that to their uh, their background check, um, and. Uh, and so it's important to know whether or not um, that apartment complex is applying that standard. Now, it's hard for the tenant to know that, obviously. But if a tenant has an event in their history that's over uh, five to seven years old, is nonviolent, uh, and is applying to a uh, property that receives a federal tax credit, and they actively reject them on that basis, they should call us um, so that we can um, we can look at the situation and possibly refer them uh, to uh, to um, to a uh, legal service that might be able to help them. Is there a simple way for tenants to be able to know whether or not a certain property is receiving these tax yeah, credits? Yeah, so the Texas Department of uh, Community and Housing Affairs regulates uh, the tax or administers the tax credit uh, program. Um, and so on their website, they have, well, I don't know how simple it is. A lot of our clients don't have access to the internet. Um, but uh, but you can go on their website. You can call them, and uh, you can you can ask them if uh, if this particular apartment complex receives a tax credit. It is essential though that uh, their specific unit receives a tax credit because mm-hmm. you can have an apartment complex with 150 units, and only 15 of them receive the tax credit. If you're applying for a unit that doesn't receive that credit, then that standard would not need to apply uh, be applied to your um, background. But you do see this bias not necessarily just at properties who receive federal tax credit, but those who are sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I think all landlords are are uh, are careful um, when it comes to uh, reviewing a tenant's um, application when they see, you know, criminal activity in the background. I think that's always something that uh, raises a flag for them, um, whether they. You know whether they have policies in place or practices that uh, that really give the tenant uh, a fair shot at applying and listen to their story. I don't know. I haven't seen examples of that. Certainly not legally required, as far as I know. So, but I, I do know Austin has, at least on the job side of things, banned the box. You know, you no longer have to check whether or not you've had a criminal history. Do you know of any similar legislation that's being pushed for um, for rental housing, either in Austin or the I state don't. level? I don't. No? No. No, but, you know, that raises a larger issue. So over 50% of Austin residents are renters. Uh, I would say uh, probably something similar in Houston and Dallas, uh, San Antonio. Um, maybe El Paso is getting there. We have millions of renters in Texas, mm-hmm. and renters have no representation at the Texas Capitol. Okay. I mean, formally, there is no organization that I know of in Texas. And if there is one, I'd like to be corrected. (laughs) Um, 
that is walking the halls of the Texas Capitol during a session advocating for the rights of tenants. Yeah. That is that that well, that it really, to, it really I, shows Texas is very gung ho about uh, property rights. That's right. Oh yes. That's right. Um, now certainly the landlords have representation. Um, there are several uh, associations in Austin that uh, actively lobby, um, the, you know, the capital. But 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 tenants have have no active formal representation. So. Why would having this representation be important? Like, what unique needs do tenants have that a homeowner doesn't have, for example? Well, the, well. so a tenant is rely, reliant upon a landlord to make repairs. A homeowner is responsible for their own repairs. Mm-hmm. A tenant is reliant upon a landlord uh, to, to, um, to communicate with them properly with respect to changes with, uh, with respect to changes in their housing, with respect to uh, what they're paying in rent, all of these yeah, things, I mean, the tenant basically has, is at a disadvantage. Well, um, yeah, like uh, in Texas, it's, for example, like illegal to have like rent control. Which that's right. Would, that it, always blows my mind. Well, that's right. Yeah. With something, with representation at the state level, that might be more of a discussion you right. know, than just like an accepted way of things. I don't that's know. right. No, and that's absolutely correct. And there are, I can... We don't have enough time here, but I can go over uh, many, many, many examples where, uh, you know, the law could be improved and representation could be useful for tenants. The fact of the matter is that our elective representatives are there to represent us. Who who is us? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, who are we? Well, we are over 50% (laughs) renters. And so if they are not representing that over 50%, then what are they doing? So that's, I mean, in my view, um, and so that's uh, that's why a lack of representation at the Capitol is so critical, um, or uh, representation so needed. So, um, and there are many aspects of the law that could be improved. Very easy, simple fixes, changes that could make the law more fair for tenants. You know, rent control is a very, very hot topic that, um, um, frankly would likely never pass um but there are, are there are sh- are small things i could give like, you one example um in texas and many people don't know this and i hope renters are listening but in texas many of the leases that you have signed allow a landlord to give you 24 hours to vacate your unit if you break the lease 24 hours now i don't know about you but i'm a healthy young man and i cannot physically move my belongings and find another place to live within 24 hours. But they are but it is perfectly legal for a landlord if you're a dollar short and a day late. If you're a dollar short and a day late, it's perfectly legal for a landlord to give you a physical notice saying you must leave within 24 hours. And guess what? The law in Texas doesn't require the landlord to state a reason on that notice for why they are asking you to leave. That's crazy. Okay. What? Now just think about that for a second. Your property, your home, your home is being demanded, and they don't have to tell you why in writing. Even if you're fired from a job, they have to give you some sort of reason. That's mm. right. Generally, the statute is called a notice to vacate, no. and the statute does not require that the landlord state a reason on that notice. That's crazy. And that's, I mean, to me, that's unconscionable. And it would be, an, it, 
it just doesn't seem, it seems like a, a rational, I mean, the whole point of notice is to tell somebody a thing uh, and to give them the reason why. <laughs> so, I mean, that just seems like a reasonable uh, fix that could be easily uh, passed if there was representation at the Capitol. Yeah, I'm, I'm also wondering about representation here more locally for renters because we have this a large discussion about the land development code happening and there's been data that shows that the majority of those speaking are are homeowners but there's also a large goal from council to help you know rent control we can we do not have but there's an idea to get more affordable housing the council's goal happens to be 405,000 units exactly so you know do you think having more renters voicing their concerns and their needs would help you know, help this LDC along? Do you think having that goal is sufficient for our needs here in town? I, well, I don't know if that goal is su sufficient. Um, I just um, I wouldn't, you know, be able to comment on that. But, but the fact of the matter is, if, if the folks who vote do not voice their concerns, then the folks who are supposed to be representing the voters are, uh, they sort of, you know, they're not they're, they're they're not going to represent the voters in a way that accurately reflects their needs and so would a formal way of garnering that over 50% to 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 have their voice heard at the legislature be useful absolutely and would it have an effect meaningful yes absolutely um so what are beyond, um, you know, you've, you've mentioned rent control and some 24-hour uh, leaving of an apartment. What are some things that you're hearing directly from tenants that are great need, of great need to them? Anything in particular? Well, action needs to be taken on, on, on the notion of, of, you know, on the criminal background check. So Texas, as far as I understand, has a private market that is not tax credit, just private market, has to apply, quote-unquote, reasonable look-back period. Um, as far as I understand, uh, that's not clearly defined. And so it gives landlords the leeway to look at somebody who, you know, shoplifted 15 years ago and reject them for housing. That's incredibly, um, uh, I believe, uh, unfair and, uh, and should be addressed by lawmakers. Um, there's, I mean, there's a myriad of, of issues, um, not a lot of folks know that uh, the um, the tenant's right to repair uh, or repair an issue that's a threat to your health and safety uh, that um, used to be sort of tied to this notion of habitability that a landlord had an obligation to to uh, to provide a habitable dwelling. Well, the legislature in in years past uh, stripped that sort of right, this implied right of habitability, which was uh, understood in common law, uh, they abrogated that and they replaced it with the repair statute, which places the initial onus on the tenant, not the landlord, on the tenant to send the landlord a letter explaining what the repair is and why um, it needs to be repaired. Why is this a problem? Because we see tenants all the time who come in and say they apply for an apartment, the apartment complex would not allow them to actually do the walkthrough before they applied. They signed the lease, they gave them the key, and the first time they opened the door, it was overrun by rodents yeah. or bed bugs or whatever. And 
that is not a lease, as far as we understand, that can be uh, broken by the tenant. They actually have an obligation to put in writing what the repair is and, uh, and send that letter to the landlord and give the landlord a reasonable amount of time to repair the issue. Now, that's counterintuitive. I mean, any reasonable person would think that if you walk into your apartment for the first time and it's overrun by rodents, that uh, you ought to be able to break your lease. But um, as a practical matter, from what we are seeing uh, on the ground, that's not the case. The landlord is, is disinclined to work with the tenant to, um, to terminate the lease in that instance and simply uh, requests uh, an opportunity to repair the issue. That's very difficult if you, you're just moving in. You can't move in your things in, into an apartment like that. So in addition, uh, landlords don't have a legal obligation to show you the apartment personally. Yeah. They don't. There's nothing in the Texas Property Code which requires a landlord to show you the thing for which you are contracting. Now, nobody would buy a car without taking it for a test drive. We frequently hear from clients who say, that the landlord says, um, your apartment's not ready. We can't, uh, we can't show it to you yet. There's five people behind you. Uh, you want to sign this lease or not? So, lack of housing, lack of affordable housing, all of these things, these pressures are bearing down on the tenant. Yeah. The tenant, may, maybe they have children, maybe they have other people to think about. They need housing. So they sign the lease, assuming that that, that property will, will already possess the bare minimum to live, right? Cooling, air conditioning, basic uh, cleanliness, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case. And so, um, but there's no legal obligation, as far as I know, and I'm not a lawyer, uh, uh, placed upon the, the landlord to actually show the apartment to the tenant. I'm curious if this, these just flagrant, uh, apartments that are this horrible, I imagine, are not horrible just once, but they're repeatedly. Well, that, I wanted to so. ask about, um, like, maybe, like, five years ago, council worked, was, like, in a frenzy about the uh, repeat offender program and trying to iron out the details of that. And that was, like, a program under which some of these landlords that did have, like, a lot of code violations and such could be held accountable because that was apparently kind of not possible before. Um, yeah. Have you noticed any like impact that that's had since it's been implemented or is it working? So um, so my knowledge of that program is, is strictly limited to what's publicly available. And uh, um, in terms of a, the sort of the practical application of, of the program and whether or not it's affecting the tenants we serve, um, to the extent that tenants come to us and they're seeking housing, we, we tell them, you want to cross-check any housing they're about to apply for with that list, definitely. Um, but does it have a meaningful impact on uh, on the um, on the on on the property's uh, response uh, to resolve these health and safety issues? It's certainly a good method of accountability because it gets the city involved, Austin Code, and they and they do great work um, and are probably overworked. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but I don't know that uh, that it as a as sort of as a practical matter in terms of the landscape of 
of uh, of how of a for, of available housing, whether or not it has a practical effect, because the tenant, the, the what is available is available, and primarily a lot of those apartment complexes that I understand uh, have existed for a long time, mm-hmm. and there's simply a lack of housing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not as though that that is necessarily. Um, giving tenants the opportunity to find alternative housing that uh, that isn't on that list, if you will, right? That, that That's not the case. Basically, the tenant is faced with the landscape as it is, and that program gives them an excellent resource to know, to be aware, if only, uh, of which places, um, you know, have a history of, of problems in that area. Um, and so it's a, it's an excellent resource, and we thank Austin Code for for that resource because we frequently go on their uh, website and print out that list. Um, uh, well, I shouldn't say print it out; it's about 270 pages long. Um, but we send it, uh, you know, over an email to a client as a resource. Has there been any? Have you seen any changes with the tenant relocation program that um, I think council passed? I'm not sure, but that provided some protections for tenants that were being displaced by uh, development, basically. Yeah, so um, I actually have personally been uh, involved in, in advocating for uh, a few tenants, uh, specifically in um, mobile home parks mm-hmm. that were um, that were recently purchased uh, and, uh, and then a change of use uh, permit was applied for. There's certain, certain elements have to be in place for that ordinance to kick in. Yeah, it seems very um, specific. But it's an excellent, excellent ordinance, um, and it provides um, sort of invaluable uh, assistance for tenants who otherwise uh, would be made uh, to just figure out on their own in a short period of time how to get their mobile home off the property cool. in those in those situations. That's It's an excellent um, ordinance, so yeah. Cool. The city does, they work so hard to craft Absolutely. things that like won't run afoul of state law. That's and, like, right. It's just hard. You can't kind of can't implement like a common sense law at all because it just, yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I'm curious if the majority of renters can't make use of the services at the Austin Tenants Council or is it just, is so, it not everybody? So we have, uh, so we have a variety of programs, but in general, uh, our programs, um, are, uh, you know, we have certain uh, financial eligibility requirements. Um, basically, what I would say is if, you, if you're a renter and you've got an issue with your housing, irrespective of what you earn, if you, if you live in uh, Travis County, Way, uh, Williamson County, or Hayes County, reside in those counties, call uh, our number, uh, telephone counseling number, which is 512 Call that number, and we'll figure out whether or not we can assist you, whether you qualify. Um, at the very least, if you live in those three counties, we will definitely counsel you over the phone. Cool. So, and phone is the best way to get in contact then for anybody. Absolutely, who's in need? that number that I just gave is is the primary number that we ask everyone to call uh, as an initial contact to our office. Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's all we have time to discuss today, Daniel. But thank you so much again for coming in and speaking with us. Okay, and thank you for. Uh, what you're doing. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, If any of you listeners are still curious or you want to refresh your memory, you can listen to a recording of this interview at austinmonitor.com. Now it's time for Tracy Schultz, who's on next with What's News at 2.30.